0: Uh, so, David, my question is, I met you in 2018. You were on your fifth, seventh, eighth episode of this podcast. You just finished the NBA, M- I think, or maybe not. But you were very excited about podcasting, called up, came to the office and was like, yeah, wherever, We'll just do this wherever. It's going to it's going to be great. I was like, oh, this guy, I think I'm at it. Like, we talked on the phone once, sure. Like, <laughs> and it's been amazing to see it grow. And now you're in episode 300. But what was your inflection point to say, I'm going to pour my passion, soul, and energy into this?
1: Hey, friend. It's David Nabinski here in Brooklyn. Here at the Portfolio Career Podcast, we help you take ownership of your career and design a life that you want to live. Episode 300. Wow. Um, from starting the show on my couch with my roommate in the summer of 2018 to this to this moment, to episode 300. So, so special. Thank you so much for being here, whether this is your first episode or you've been here before. Um, thank you so much. Um, this was a very special episode. Uh, it was a podcast mixer episode, which is recorded in an apartment in Brooklyn. And In this case, it was with only the people that have been on the show before. I wanted to do something special to celebrate this milestone, and this was it. The topic of this podcast mixer was inflection moments. I've been very fascinated about uh, how people got to where they are, and in this episode, you'll hear short stories about something that changed people's lives. As always, this episode of Notes is available on my website at PortfolioCareerPodcast.com. There, you can subscribe to my Portfolio Career Substack newsletter, which I send out every other Sunday. So excited for you to build and grow your portfolio career. Here we go with Yash.
2: Yash, what's up?
1: (laughs) Welcome. Episode 300. Thanks for doing this, man. Yeah. Thanks for being so consistent.
2: Yeah. (laughs) I feel like I've seen you over the years do this over and over again and you continue to level it up all the time.
1: Mm, Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Um, Speaking of leveling up, what would you say is an inflection moment uh, or an inflection point for you?
2: Yeah, I like to normally wait till other people share and then I can decide something that fits the mold. So I haven't (laughs) thought about this. But um, I will share. You know, I'll talk about Alt-MBA since Mm, that. Cool. This has become a banner ad for Alt-MBA by accident. Uh, So when I was, geez, 21 at the time, 22. Jen was there too. Yeah. uh, I found Alt-MBA through like a very non-traditional means compared to most people in it. I had no clue who Seth Godin was many people worship at the altar of South Cote. And when they arrive at Alt-MBA um, and I was like, wow, I'm really not in the right place. Cause I don't think I am read up enough on this guy, but it was really like a transformative program slash moment for me. I think the reason I ended up there is because Marie who was running a lot of Alt-MBA at the time was a mentor of mine and was like, you should try this out. I think you really enjoy the people and the experience and the, like knowledge that you'll get from it for yourself because I was at a transition moment in my life in between starting a company, figuring out if I was still going to teach high school, figuring out the next thing. Um, And I think what was really transformative about that moment for me in my life was I was on Zoom for like 15 to 20 hours a week with this random group of people from all over the world with really very diverse backgrounds and experiences. David was in my (laughs) cohort (laughs) with me. That is (laughs) how we met (laughs) actually. Uh, and we were both very overactive in the Slack community slash That's group. That right? Yeah, so we're like, ah, oh, you know, <laughs> add me to your group chats, please.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> yes, I can promise that if you add David to your group chats, he will continue to lead the way for everyone. I added David to a group chat years ago called. New York City squad when I was just trying to make friends in the city and I was adding random people to an iMessage group chat and David has become the spiritual leader of that group chat (laughs) in like every way shape or form he signs every text David Nabinski with his (laughs) phone number it's really wonderful Um, but yeah I think that actually is a perfect segue to like why that was an inflection point I met a lot of other Davids in the world like you Ian, Stephen, Marie uh, Peter like lots of people who were much older and further along than I was. And I was going through all these narratives of like, oh, I just started a company. We were doing really well. And now I'm deciding to leave. There's a lot of ego wrapped up in some of the decisions I was making at the time. Uh, And I think a lot of people helped me just slow down and be like, what really matters? And also, where are you going? And also, you're young. Like, come down, chill, figure it out. Uh, You have a lot of life left ahead of you. And I think being forced to answer some really tough questions I hadn't ever really asked myself and getting to do that in a group of people who had my best interests at heart, but also pushed my thinking was really, really valuable. And I think that really stuck with me for, I mean, till today, really. Mm.
1: Yeah. Um, and, and so you said you sought this out because you were going through a transition.
2: Yeah. I was, uh, I was basically, so I had just... I had done a lot of really random things in the last two years. I had disappointed my parents because I had finished college after they told me for years that I wouldn't get a job with the GPA that I had. And then I'd ended up with the Indian kids dream out of school, which was a job at McKinsey. And then I had decided not to go to that school and instead do this random thing with my friends and trying to make money doing like a remote apprenticeship for college students. My parents thought I was insane. And then I became a high school teacher. And then they were like, wow, he's really gone all the way down the drain. Um, <laughs> you know, not, not a respected vocation in my family. Uh, I'm kidding. I love you, mom and dad. Uh, but yeah, I had, we had built that company, gone through an accelerator, met a lot of really successful people, been told we were doing well, and ultimately had a lot of interpersonal conflict. Mm-hmm. And so I made the decision to leave because I valued friendship more than business. And everyone told me that was a dumb thing to do. And then uh, I also made the decision not to teach high school again, because I figured I really enjoyed it. But there were a lot more things to be explored at 21 and just Mm -hmm. other things to learn. Teaching the same thing over and over again didn't feel like the best use of my mental energy or capacity. And so then I was sort of left stranded. I was like, okay, well, do I start another thing? I never really like aimed to be a founder. Mm -hmm. I just accidentally ended up doing it with friends. Do I work at a startup? Do I go back to consulting? Do I try and do something in tech now? Like, where do I go from here? And Marie was like, sounds like you should take Alt MBA." So that was how I ended up there.
1: So it sounds like also like a little bit of story of like sharing with friends where you're at and you never know like the advice that you'll get from a friend.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I would say friends and also just mentors. I think mm-hmm. I feel very fortunate to have from like a very young age had people who, like believed in me, saw something in me that I didn't see in myself, sometimes still don't see in myself. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, cool, I will trust you, take the steps that you want me to take and see what comes of it. And so, yeah, I would actually say most of my inflection points have been people prodding me to do something that I didn't fully understand, but I trusted blindly, took the steps and ended up in a new perspective that I couldn't have imagined before. Hell yeah.
1: Yeah. Cool. Thanks, man. Yeah, thank you. Yelling anyone go next? Hello. Hello. <laughs> uh, I would love to hear an inflection moment for you, Yelena.
3: Yeah. Um, okay. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get deep. I thought about this. I saw you a few days ago, and I told you I thought about it. Um, okay. So I have always had a really complicated relationship with my mom. I was really scared of her, like most of the time when I was a kid, because she was so emotionally volatile. Um, She also groomed me to like tie my self-worth to how perfect I was or like how much I pleased people And that's definitely something that I still struggle with of like unlearning that Um, so cut to the beginning of this year when my I'm looking at my father-in-law and he's looking back at me actually death-staring me and he was like You're the worst parts of your mom and you know He's never met my mom. He's literally taking it off of like a podcast episode I did, like analyzing my mother wound. But um, in that moment, it was such an inflection point for me this year because usually when you're a girl, you're conditioned to like when you ruffle feathers, you're like, let me get small and let me dim myself and let me apologize. Let me take up like little space, right? And here was this 65-year-old white boomer man that had gotten his way most of his life and i was not backing down Mm -hmm. i was literally staring him back and i'd never felt more in my identity of like a cycle breaker and someone that like challenges systems especially this like waspy nuclear family that i just stepped into that like seemed like everything was okay um in the beginning um this was also a really interesting point, because I think the older I get as a woman, the more I realize if you aren't the good girl, you're going to get judged, you're going to be misunderstood, you're going to get critiqued, and you're going to be the projector for anything that anyone doesn't want to bring a mirror up to themselves. And so, after I like stood up for myself, I broke down after that, it created a lot of stress in my relationship, um, but after a few months i realized he was kind of right (laughs) there was truth to what he said because it was a day where i my boyfriend and i almost broke up and i had realized how selfish my trauma had been and how much it had hurt him right because i was so identifying with my victimhood and i was perpetuating this learned helplessness of like all this fucked up shit happened to me i have complex ptsd i'm highly sensitive and my nervous system's dysregulated, I have a hard time regulating my emotions, and someone that I love has gotten hurt by that, right? And I don't even realize it. So this moment of this man being like, you're the worst parts of your mom, really became this like illumination point for me to realize my blind spots like within myself. Mm-hmm. And so in this self-love journey that I've been on this year, um, it's been really interesting to think about like, who am I, right? What are my needs? What's my why? And also, what is my relationship to discomfort? Because I think that healing and self-care and just your general well-being, it is all about how you relate to like when you piss people off. Because the more that you are yourself and you're not like pleasing people and abandoning yourself in the process of doing that, you're just gonna piss people off. Like it's literally happened to me all year this year. And of course, I take accountability for you know things, but I've never felt more okay pissing people off because when people would get mad at me before, I'd feel like the whole world was mad at me and I was wrong. So yeah, it's, that was like a massive inflection point. I think for me, pain has always been my inflection point of like trying to find the beauty and the meaning of my experiences. So yeah, mm. we're also gonna be in counseling soon. So don't worry. It's like, it doesn't have like a bad ending or anything, but <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a process, but I feel like I finally come home to myself this year at age 33.
1: Mm. Um, yeah. <laughs> I feel like anytime <laughs> I talk on your podcast, you're just
3: like, "Okay, where do we go from here?" You just uh, like—I don't
1: have the horsepower that <laughs> that takes. Um, I warned you. I said to go yeah, deep. I thought yeah, about it. I'm here for it. Um, so you said pain has always been an inflection point. Yeah. Um. So has it like does that make it easier knowing what the like that pain that that's been an inflection point in the past or is that It doesn't matter each time.
3: I think um, for me, like I love challenge and pain, to be honest, Mm. because I feel really deeply. And I think when you're really sensitive and empathic, I think any artist will say that like you use your pain to make art right and to find beauty and meaning out of it. So, yeah, I I think I'm like, fuck, yeah, I'm in pain. This is a great story. This is going to be a great story for something. Right. And I can get to figure out what is my outlet to figure out what that is um i think that's the way that i don't get stuck in my pain to be honest but yeah it's hard knowing that
1: there's an outlet
3: right also like my parents are immigrants and refugees so it's like i come from a long line of ancestors being first generation where it's like not very far removed of like like literally my grandfather he fought in world war one and world war ii and the balkan wars like it's not mm. something that i'm like super far away from so it's all for a good story dave
1: <laughs> well thanks for sharing <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> I could <can> say
4: no. <laughs> yeah, I'll do it. Ankit. Ah. Okay. David.
1: <laughs> Welcome back. Episode two fifty. Episode two fifty. Now three hundred. Um when you think about an inflection moment or story or a point, what comes to mind for you?
4: I think of the first time I had a disagreement with my brand new boss in my last job, Um, it was in like 2019 and I was still getting very comfortable in the role that I was in. I think I'd been there for about a year and a half and um, I was the youngest person on my team by like a margin of 10 years. And I think there was a part of me that felt like everyone who was on this team besides me knew better than I did about how we should be navigating in the organization and i remember one time my boss said something about my work that felt just fundamentally wrong i like i i was like so clear minded that i was like you don't understand what you're talking about and um and normally if it if the margin of you don't understand what you're talking about is small i'll be like oh maybe maybe you actually do know what you're talking about maybe i don't know what i'm talking about the margin isn't large enough for me mm-hmm. to feel that level of confidence and in this moment i was like no i've like done Every bit of homework there is to be done on this work. Um, And I'm pretty sure you're wrong. And we were like on chat going back and forth. And she was like, I really don't think you should be allocating your time over here. Like this doesn't feel like a worthwhile like investment for our team to be making. And I was like, I really don't think you have all the information. And she calls me. And this is like the first week this woman is my new boss. And I'll be honest, I actually, I don't think I had a very favorable impression of her before um, she became my boss. So when she became my boss, I think I was like, I guess.
1: <laughs>
4: like, this is not going to be fun. And then this moment, right? When we're yeah. in chat, I was like, this is clear. She doesn't know what she's talking about. Like, I, this woman should not be my boss. And we get on the phone because chat, you know, how sometimes when you're arguing with someone on chat, just like, this isn't working. We need to talk. Okay. So we get on the phone, and she was like, "Do you have time to talk?" And I was like, "Yes, I have time to talk." And I like was like, "Let me get outside. This is I was working from home that day, and I was like, I'm not going to take this call in the apartment. I need to like get outside for a walk." So I took the call on a walk, and she's like, "Okay, walk me through why you think X, Y, and Z." And we're on the phone for like 15 minutes, and she's drilling me on every single like angle mm-hmm. of like why I think like the project that I was working on was meaningful. At the end of it, she's like, "Okay, you can carry on." And then like the next week we had a one-on-one and she was like, okay, I just want you to know you are really clear minded. Mm. And I was really impressed by the way that you like stood your ground on the thing that I was fighting you on. And I just want to say like, if you feel like me arguing with you was like, like was in poor taste, I just want you to know, like, like I have an incredible trust for your intellectual rigor. And like now I, I don't think I will, I will push on you the same way. I think I've just never worked with you before, and I didn't know um, how you thought about things mm-hmm. and I think because I really didn't have a favorable impression of of this like my now boss uh, at the time um, before going into that conversation, it really like flipped the switch for me of like, oh wow, she like assesses in a very in a way that is unfamiliar to me. I think i I was so familiar with like gaining approval by being on the same page as somebody that to gain approval on the basis of being confidently on the page that I was on as opposed to in alignment with the person that I was in relationship with. Mm -hmm. It really kind of flipped the switch in my mind of what is it that makes a strong relationship. Mm. And me and this boss had an incredible three years of working together where we would, we would argue constantly um on things that matter, not arbitrary arguments, yeah. but like we would go back and forth on on like strategic decisions uh she would come to me for counsel on things she needed to do with our like you know org leaders um and eventually, our relationship started to become supportive in in like friendly and personal matters. Mm-hmm extending outside of work just because the level of trust was so high um and I think it really flipped the switch on how I perceive what can make for a strong relationship and that is true in work but also in in any context um
1: have you talked to her recently
4: no but she's been on my mind um it's been a while and I actually have no idea like where in the world she is right now because neither of us work for our previous employer. And, um, and we didn't do a very good job of keeping in touch. And honestly, kind of confuses me. A part of me is like, did I do that? Or did she do that? Or did this just happen? You know, how sometimes yeah. you fall out of touch with somebody yeah. and you're the kind of person that doesn't fall out of touch with somebody. And then you're like, wait, why did I fall out of touch with that person? Mysteries. Mm. but
1: so so, but but clear communication um open communication when you thought that actually was like harming a relationship it was actually turned out to be a positive thing here
4: yeah I think the thing that was scary was um was feeling like if the person doesn't see things the way that I see them they might not I guess approve of Mm. me or they might not like want to work with me they might not feel that I am a, a team player and uh I think the story that disagreement is actually a fracture um is rooted deep in like just how anyone perceives disagreement in their lives growing up you know I think there is something about if you don't see good examples of disagreement then you just think it's all broken mm, beautiful thanks for sharing on okay. no thanks david
1: diana oh hello hello (laughs) hello what uh what comes to mind for you
5: um so i wrote mine down uh (laughs) because i had today to figure this out um so sorry bear with me here um it's also mine's deep and so i knew i would i didn't want to like mess up what i was gonna say so Today, when I was thinking of what I should talk about tonight, I thought about the other times I've shared publicly and what stories have had the most impact. It's always something super vulnerable that can feel scary scary to say. So I'm saying this because I, I just hope that it can be helpful to someone else. And also because I know I wish I could have heard this when I was a bit younger. So an inflection point that I had in my life is when I was 24 and I stopped drinking and running from the pain of my past. I had to, because it was pretty clear I was digging my own grave. Mm. I chose to stop hurting myself and to finally face everything, even the most uncomfortable haunting things, even the scariest stories my brain would make up, even the saddest memories I had dulled for close to a decade at that point. (laughs) So that's what I did. I cut out alcohol so that I could start living. I even, at that point, had to tackle pretty intense social anxiety uh, in New York City, a new city for me where I had no friends or family. But spoiler alert, I'm living a life I couldn't have fathomed back then when I was running away from everything. And I don't think I've told a lot of people this, but I I want to, hence why I'm talking about it now. Um, But I started writing my book two weeks after I stopped drinking. I had wanted to write a book for years and hadn't had the courage to put pen to paper yet. And now my book has been found by a manager slash producer and is being shopped around for a TV show. It went to number one on Amazon. It was like featured on Subway Creatures. I have had all these really incredible, wonderful things happen that like I would never have thought. Um, and I love my life, and I have some really incredible people in it.
0: Ooh.
1: <laughs> what? What was the hardest part of?
5: Yeah. Of of which of, part? Of drinking. Of <laughs> <Wasabi drinking. laughs> The hardest part of drinking. Uh, <laughs> just tequila. Uh, <laughs> 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 um, no, the hard... Oh, my God. It was one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. Like, it was my social lubricant, and I had really bad social anxiety. And, like, I had to... All of a sudden... And I'm in New York, and I do All of my people are gone. I have no comfort. And, like, I'm going to... I worked in luxury lifestyle management i was going to all these parties with people in new york who were assholes and like i was terrified of everything at that point and like had no idea what was going on but i like i yeah i i i got through it and i just like i got so determined i was like you know what damn it i'm gonna be the most charismatic person that you put at any table no matter who's at the table and i'm gonna figure out how to do that i'm gonna learn psychology and i'm gonna like put myself in every uncomfortable situation that i can i'm gonna go to parties alone like whatever i'm gonna start the dance floors and so that's what i did and it's like i'm now i yeah i can i'm i'm, I'm just i'm like not scared of life anymore and i've gotten through a lot so
1: hell yeah yeah thank you all right jan all right david Um, What comes to mind for you?
6: Well, as I was saying to you earlier, I'm currently at an inflection point. Mm. I've been running my business for 20 years, and uh, I'm about to, next week, launch a whole new section of the business, which feels like hugely scary. But as I was thinking about this, I realized this is like, an inflection point that had previously inflected and prior to that inflected. In the in the winter of 2019, so it was December 2019, mm-hmm. I was a guest on someone's podcast where I said that under no circumstances, P.S., I'm an acting coach, under no circumstances would I ever teach acting online. <laughs> 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 and so... Uh, March 11th of 2020, I realized I needed to close my brick-and-mortar studio and move everything online. We were online by April, which was amazing. And my little community of people in New York during COVID expanded to 15 countries, almost every state. And we had, you know, on, in a business sense, the best year we had ever had. And I had no life. Mm. I was running this business 24-7. It was just so taxing. So when things started opening up again, Broadway announced it was gonna reopen. I was like, I gotta go back to in-person. And I made the decision to close down the online studio, go back in person, and at the time I said, never again will I run an online studio. (laughs) (laughs) Fast forward to this year. Yeah. uh, It became very clear that my clients needed an online space to stay connected to each other and to deal with the things that we wouldn't tackle in person. Mm -hmm. We do the craft work and the artistic exploration in person, but they needed a place to talk about their careers Mm -hmm. and strategy. So next week, we're launching the online studio for a second time, <laughs> this time with a different focus and a lot more clarity and intention, and not the you know panic of "I've got to throw something together." I've been thinking about this a lot, um, and what part of the reason it's an inflection point is this time I've done it so much more mindfully with so much preparation, and despite all of that, I'm still terrified. Mm. <laughs> So like you can do all of the work and you can make excellent decisions and still be like, damn it, this is really freaking scary. So that's my inflection point. Mm. Ask me about it in a week. (laughs) (laughs) Huh?
1: So what, obviously it sounds like you have more, um, you know, experience or context or ideas around this like next new chapter. Um, But, um, was there a moment where you said like, I don't really want to do this. Like there's maybe there's customers that are saying we should do this. Um, was there ever a moment where you're like, I don't, I'm not sure if I want to do this, even though there's demand.
6: Well, I tried to have that moment multiple times and I had too much evidence to the contrary. So I tried many times to talk myself out of it. I'll never find the right platform. People aren't going to want to follow me. You know, this This is like taking on a whole other thing. I, there's so many reasons I could talk myself out of it. But every time I sort of went back to all of my planning and thinking, I was like, yeah, even if it fails, it's a really good decision.
1: Mm, that's beautiful.
6: So we'll see.
1: Congrats. Thanks. Yeah, excited for it. Um, does anybody else want to share or have a question for anybody
0: or... Uh, so, David, my question is: I met you in 2018. You were on your fifth, seventh, eighth episode of this podcast. You just finished the all- MBA, I think, or maybe not. But you were very excited about podcasting. Called up, came to the office, and was like, "Yeah, wherever. We'll just do this wherever. It's gonna, it's gonna be great." I was like, oh this guy, I think I'm at it. Like we talked on the phone once, sure. Like (laughs) and it's been amazing to see it grow. And now you're in episode three hundred. But what was your inflection point to say I'm gonna pour my passion, soul, and energy into this?
1: Um thanks for that. Uh so around a little bit after you, but like October or September twenty eighteen. Um, there was kind of like three, three different things that happened around the same time that, um, were kind of like gave me a lot more confidence and it also then gave me like a project. Um, so I'll talk about those. So one was, um, Austin Allred is the founder of a company called Lambda School, which is now called something else, Bloom. Bloom. Um, he tweeted, um, and was like, Hey, if anybody has a podcast, Um, I'm trying to get on more podcasts, like hit me up. And then I like emailed him and he's like, yeah, let's do this. And I was like, okay. And like, I had like, never talked to him. I'm here in New York. He's in California. And that just, that like blew my mind. Um, then somebody else who I really looked up to in New York, um, Steve Schlafman was like, uh, I reached out to him and he's like, yeah, cool. Yeah. Come, come into my office. Um and then um and I chatted with him and like so it kind of around that time it started going beyond people that I knew and then like um and then it was like this like serendipity and magic of like where else could I like try this? Um who else could say yes that I want to talk to? And then um I started the I started the podcast in a podcasting course um that was co-created by Seth Good and Alexander De Palma and then I reached out to Alex and I said, do you want to be on the show? And she's like, yeah, let's do it. And then when I talked to her, she's like, hey, we're going to run the next cohort of this course. Do you want to be a coach in it? And I was like, wait, what? Like, I just started like th- like two months before. Like, I don't even really know what I'm doing. She's like, doesn't matter. Like, Just like, like, just like do what you were doing as a student. Like you don't need to be an expert. Just like, you're going to be a couple steps ahead of the people that, um, are taking the course now. Like you have episodes, they don't. And then I started coaching. And then once I started coaching, then, um, I was like, well, I got to keep going. And, um, then I coached for like two more cohorts. And then by that time I had like 80 or 90 episodes, And it was, like, just, like, something that I did. Like, it just was, like, wired into, like, my identity almost. So, yeah. Thanks for that. Hey, friend. Thank you for listening to this Portfolio Career Podcast episode. I would love to hear what you learned or took away from this episode. I hope you find me, David Nabinski, on Twitter, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Also, if you want the best insights from the podcast and to hear my learnings, please subscribe to my Portfolio Career Substack newsletter that I send out every two weeks. You can find that on my website at portfoliocareerpodcast.com slash newsletter. So excited for you to build and grow your portfolio career. Thank you so much.